Hello, hello, Vitamizers, and welcome back to the Howdy Health Podcast. I'm Allison here in Austin, Texas with MSW Lounge, and sorry that today is a little bit, well, I guess this week's episode is a little bit later than normal. We usually try to release these on Mondays and Tuesdays, but we were a little bit behind in our recording schedule because of the holidays, which, by the way, we are so thankful to you guys for um, everything for listening to this podcast, for coming into the office, for trying Slenderella, anything like that. Just thank you so much for joining us on this journey. It's been so great. And we hope that you had an awesome Thanksgiving week with loved ones last week and that this week isn't hitting you too hard as you get back to work, uh, before the big holiday season really kicks in. Um, We're super excited about this guest today, but as always, we have a couple announcements. Uh, We are brought to you by MSW Lounge. MSW Lounge is located in Westlake Hills in Austin, Texas. We provide a variety of services, including vitamin shots and IVs, the whole Slenderella family, concierge medicine, chiropractic, massage therapy, a vitamin drink bar, and tons of other local company offerings for ways to clean up your health and naturally stay that way for a long time. Find out more at www.mswlounge.com. This podcast is also brought to you by Slenderella. Slenderella is a vitamin shot and IV blend that was designed to help your liver function optimally. It got its name when the creator started noticing that liver detox was causing many clients to lose weight. Now there is a whole line of different Slenderella blends that you can customize for your needs as well as a supplement line to support all of your Slenderella goals. You can find distributors and more information at www.slenderellausa.com. This podcast is produced by Flabs to Fitness, Inc. Flabs to Fitness is an online wellness company that specializes in mindful eating, personalized workout programs, and offers a subscription workout program for 20-minute workouts you can do anywhere. It's a social media content firm for creation and scheduling of content and engagement with your fans on a variety of platforms, including this podcast. Find out more at www.flabstofitness.com. Last but not least, we are sponsored by Athletic Outcomes. Athletic Outcomes is Austin's boutique wellness studio focusing on functional fitness and sports recovery. Located in Southeast Austin, AO provides services such as personal training, group classes, pre- and postnatal training, nutrition coaching, massage therapy, chiropractic, recovery compression boots, and MSW Lounge Vitamin Shots. It's your one-stop shop for health and fitness. Check them out on social media at Athletic Outcomes to stay up to date on their events and programs. Okay, guys, our guest today is Kate Waitskin, and we had to phone her in (laughs) on Zoom to get this done. Um, She is one of Baldo's uh, original yoga mentors, and uh, John has attended some of her classes as well. She is fantastic when it comes to talking about uh, meditation, yoga. We got a little bit into Ayurveda. She is not an Ayurvedic uh, practitioner. But um, we did have her kind of clarify what that is and uh, all that, too. Um, But this was just a really great conversation. It was awesome to have Baldo reconnect with Kate. She is now based in Dallas. And, uh, yeah, she's she's a great mentor to have in the yoga space and really mindful just about everything. She's very grounded. It was incredible to to hear them talk about all these different wellness things. So we're going to let them take it away. Here is How Do You Health with Kate Waitskin. All right, we're Awesome. On. Well, welcome to the How Do You Health podcast. We are uh, just turned the corner on 50 uh, episodes last week. And so we're excited to, to, uh, to speak to Kate, another one of my mentors, which I'm really excited. She's one of my main teachers that I I always loved seeing you and seeing your smile. We had Leah last week or two weeks ago. Um, so so excited to be speaking to you and, and talking about health and yoga and wellness and a little bit of everything. Um, we got John over here as well. And uh, he, we're always going to talk vitamins at some point, one or, or at one point or the other. Um, but uh, yeah, you have any? Well, I, I guess Sarah now, since for the, for the listeners and the viewers at home, um, Kate here is a wonderful yoga teacher at a very established studio downtown here, Austin, which uh, Austin has become the epicenter for health and wellness, which I think is really great. And uh, one of the bigger places for yoga. Uh, and so I know yoga is probably taking you on many different paths throughout your life right now. So, so what are you currently doing at the moment? I know you're not in Austin, right? At the moment. Correct. Oh, okay. So, so what are you doing right now at the moment? Yeah. 
It's a good question. Um, so I am. I moved to Dallas with my family about. Uh, gosh, it's been about four months now. Um, back in August or July, end of July. And um, as you said, I I was teaching uh, at Wonderlust in Austin, and I'm still doing some uh, offerings there, some teacher trainings and um, workshops and that sort of thing here and there. Um, but right now, I am I'm focusing on. I've got some retreats coming up. I'm still teaching, but not daily classes at the moment. Which, you know, I didn't um, I didn't really know what that was going to look like and, and feel like. And it's, it has been a very um, welcome surprise to have a little bit of space in my schedule to, um, to just get, get clear on, on how I want to continue to contribute and, um, and share and learn and grow with, with the communities that I'm involved in um, and, and get to know this community here. I knew really nothing about Dallas when I moved here. Um, other than visiting a few times when, you know, when I was in college and had some friends living here. And um, so I'm, I'm taking time right now to just also get to know this yoga community here as well. So. So what part of Dallas are you in? I am in Lakewood. So I'm very close to the lake, which has been huge. Um, <laughs> I was, I was at, at, well, I, you know, I grew up in Austin and I was at the, I grew up going to the hike and bike trail. And when I lived there, I was there, several times a week, if not almost every day. And um, so now we're about half a mile from uh, White Rock Lake. And that's been, it's been amazing to be that close and visit. Yeah. And I'm sure it's nice to have another lake around, right? Because it's like, that's what you were used to. I know I used to run into you on runs at the lake. It happened several times where it was like, oh, there she is. And there I am too running. Did you always, even growing up, did you used to run? Were you always, uh, living a healthy lifestyle per se? Um, yeah, I would say to, to a degree. Um, I, you know, my, my parents were both um, in different ways, pretty instrumental in um, planting that seed, I would say, of, of health. Um, my, you know, my mom was always, and, and I, I realized as I got older that it really came from her parents as well, um, was always very conscious about the the type of food that we were putting into our bodies and the quality, really more the quality of it. Um, and so that's, I mean, I was the kid that always had the, you know, the whole wheat fig bars in my lunch as opposed to the, the bag of Cheetos. So um, that was, that I, I grew up with that uh, in that sense and played sports from a very young age. Um, and my dad was more in terms of health from the kind of, the mind and spiritual perspective. Um, he was the one that really introduced me to the, really the, even the understanding of, of meditation and, and, and what that is. Um, and he, you know, he had little altars all over the house and, and really had a brought kind of a sacred quality into the sort of everyday living. So, so that from different perspectives, both, both physical and the more spiritual and, and mental, um, those were, that that was from pretty early on was part of my life so you were introduced to yoga at what age i didn't actually take my first class asana practice until i was 18 and my mom took me to the local um it was the hills which i think is no longer in austin but it was there at the time um our local gym and i i did my first class i was when i tell this story um i i uh, lead teacher trainings and often will tell this kind of yoga journey as well. And I always say that this was the class that um, it certainly planted the seed, but it, I didn't fall in love with yoga at that time. That didn't happen until later, you know, but, but I really do believe that that was, um, it, it was my first experience. And that was the thing that, that it, it, it hooked me in a little bit in some way. You, know? so you didn't walk out of there and be like, oh, that sucks, you know, like. <laughs> no, not at all. I, it was, it just, it, it was an experience, you know, yeah, it, it wasn't, I don't remember it being positive or negative. It just was. Yes. Um, but when I ultimately in my twenties, once I, I left college and moved to New York, I was living in New York city for a long time. And, um, and turned to yoga. It was, it had a familiarity to it because I had been to it. You know, I had, I had done a practice in the past. So, yeah. So when someone takes yoga for the first time, what in the world 
would you tell them to, to expect, right? Like we have, I mean, like I said, Austin is an epicenter for health and wellness, but to this day, we still have friends that are like, nah, I don't do yoga. I, I, I need a workout. You know, I need to do something like that. I mean, tell us what would you expect to, to, to get from a, taking a class of yoga? What would, what should people expect to get? So it, it's hard to, it's hard to say specifically because it's going to depend so much on the teacher and the style of class that they're going to. Um, but I think that, you know, I, I try to encourage people to let go of their expectations when they're coming into a practice um, and just see what unfolds for them and be open to what, what comes up. Um, you know, certainly if it's somebody who has never done a practice before and is very, you know, brand new to yoga, um, I might speak to them about the, you know, what they can expect to be doing physically with their body, um, you know, and, and the emphasis, emphasis of the breath. Um, but I, I really, I, I try to steer away from setting expectations for people because I think um, really just unfolding to seeing what unfolds in the moment is, is, um, is part of, is part of yoga as part of the practice. Yeah. So when you talk about your daily routine uh -huh. and you talk about your health and wellness, yoga is part of that, right? It's not the main center anymore, right? Like you obviously you do other things, right? So what else do you go run white rock Lake now all the time? I do. I yeah. do. Well, it's, I it was, I think 34 degrees this morning. So, <laughs> so I didn't do it today. Um, <laughs> But yes, I, as long as the weather is, is okay, I, um, I'm out there pretty much every day. And yoga is, um, you know, yoga is, is always part of my life and is part of my day every single day in some way. Um, but it looks different every day, you know? So I, I tend to do best when I get some form of, um, physical movement first thing in the morning. And that usually looks like going running. Um, uh, and then I tend to do in the afternoons when I have a little bit of kind of downtime right before the kids get home. So I usually do it around 1.30 or 2. That's when I tend to get on my mat, do some home, you know, a home practice. Um, and that can be five minutes of movement or 40 minutes of movement, you know, it just depends on the day. Um, but that's usually when I get into my meditation practice is in the afternoon. I kind of, I like to use it as a transition from what I've been doing until right before my kids get home. So it's a nice way to, um, kind of shift, shift into what's coming next. So how old are your kids now? Oh my gosh. My kids are, so they all have April birthdays. Oh, I, nice. have, uh, I have twins that are, uh, they'll be seven in April. So they're six right now. And I have a third grader and he's, so he'll be nine. I can't even believe it. He'll be nine in April. Wow. That's <laughs> awesome. I, I have two, one's three and one's eight months. And so the, we're still going through the sleep deprivation right now, you know, like him keeping me up at night and all that. <laughs> um, I could tell you this right now, legs on the wall for yeah. me is something that is almost vital on a daily routine because it helps me reset my adrenals. And with my sleep being affected, I know that, you know, affects my stress. And so I'm pretty sure your transition from what you're doing, you know, leading up to picking up your kids or seeing your kids, I'm sure that's changed even over the past couple of years. Yes. Yeah. Um, well, so wait, did you say you had a three-year-old and an 18 month old? The eight month old. Oh, eight month old. Yeah. Yes. Oh, so you're in the hospital. Yeah, yeah. You're, I'm telling you, like, he was up last night at about five in the morning, and I measure my sleep uh, patterns on a sleep app. And so I like to kind of play this little game where I'm like, I wonder what time he woke up last night. And I look the next morning, it's like, oh, from five to 5.30, he was up, you know? So, yeah, he's, that's, a, that's a daily routine. I, I, I love waking up on Sundays because I, I live with him as well in yeah. his house room, and I uh, and, I, and I'll wake up on Sundays. I was like, I just slept like 10 hours. It felt great. Oh, yeah. So he comes in. He's like, I slept. Well, the thing is, he goes to bed at like 9 p.m. He's like, I'm going to go to bed. And he wakes up at like 9 a.m. He's like, do I slept so great? And me and my wife are just looking at him just like, dude, shut up, man. Like, get out of here. Like, I, I think because it's, it's not something any, that like upsets me. It's more of like it's a rite of passage because I know eventually it's going to stop. But I mean, I love every moment of being a dad. It's just more of the idea that I have to do something every day to take care of myself. 
so I can take on being a parent. And he see, I tell people there's two types of people in this world. There's a parent and a non-parent. And Baldo's the non-parent. He's a great uncle. Like he really is. He's amazing. But he could choose to meditate all he wants and sleep in and do as many yoga classes as he wants. If I can fit in 10 or 20 minutes of any of those things, I'm pretty happy. <laughs> Absolutely. I could not agree more. And I think that, you know, that's one of the things that having kids teaches us. Um, and, and I think this applies to people whether they have kids or not. But when specifically when it comes to you know, what I would call self-care was what you're speaking of, you know, however that looks for, for you. But, um, and more specifically, the question I get is, well, when do I meditate? I can't find a time that it, you know, every day that it works and, and that becomes a block for people. And so, um, you know, what I've learned just in my own experience and my own practice is that that's going to, depending on what I have going on in my life and the age that my kids are, the time of day is going to shift for me. You know, it used to be that I would get up early in the morning and they would, I would do my sit and my practice then. Um, and they would come in, you know, they would come in and they would sit with me and, and it was, it was what it was. And now that they're all in school until basically three, three o'clock, three thirty every day. I have, I find that the afternoon is when I, I actually um, can drop in a little bit deeper into my meditations. And so I, I've shifted that. So I still have rituals that I do throughout the day, but, but I, I believe it's really important to, to give yourself that fluidity and that freedom, as long as you can um, be consistent with it, that you, you allow for that shift and in, in flow of life because it, that's how life works. Right. Right. And you can't, you can't control some of those things. What I've learned, right? Like I say, I can't control my sleep patterns anymore. That's one thing I've learned, right? Cause it's, it's not, I mean, if, if a kid is going to wake up and needs to eat, I'm going to go over there and make sure I feed him a bottle or whatnot. Right. And so I have to adapt, you know, how do I adapt with, you know, three to four hours of broken sleep sometimes, you know, and how do I function the next day? Right. It's, 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 it's tough, but I've managed to do it. And you, you've kind of added that stage now, right? Because you got your kids who are probably sleeping throughout the night, hopefully, you know, and <laughs> they're going to school throughout the day. So you don't have to, you don't have to worry where they're at, you know, they you know where they're at. Um, but like one of the other things I look at too is, is, is food for me, you know? And so a lot of times, um, food, making sure that they're eating, it, it's, like I have Baldo to, to thank for this because he's a wonderful chef. Since he does live with us, he cooks amazing food and it's actually better than most restaurants, which is incredible because like I could be like, Hey man, I'm on this crazy diet and I don't do any nightshade vegetables. So can you make a salsa for me without any tomatoes in it? He's like, yeah, I can do that. And he whips it up and I'm like, that's perfect. Right? So I got to ask, I lived in Dallas. In fact, I lived by White Rock Lake too. I lived off of a <laughs> and, uh, and Garland. Nice. And I used to run right rock all the time. So I'm very familiar with that area. Um, the restaurants are very different in Dallas. They're very <laughs> good, but they're very different from what we have here in Austin. So tell me, like, what are you gravitating towards now as far as your food goes? Oh, they are so different from Austin. You could not be more spot on with that. Um, we eat out a lot less. I will say that. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, we didn't eat out a ton when we were in Austin. Um, but definitely I'm, I'm cooking more. And that also has to do with the fact that I'm, I am home more now than I was, you know, uh, when we were in Austin, it was, I didn't really think about dinner until the kids got home from school. And then it was like, okay, what's in the refrigerator and what can I put together? Um, and now I, I have a little more space to be, um, to be more intentional with, with that. Um, so, so we don't, you know, we, when we eat out, it's usually, um, like on Friday nights and we'll take the kids after school, we'll take the kids out for an early dinner or Graham and I will go out for a date, you know, and we'll, we'll go somewhere. Uh, but other than that, we're having, we have most meals at home. Um, yeah. and, uh, and I love to cook you guys. I just learned, I have a dear friend who uh, got a sourdough starter from, I think, I think I'm saying this correct, correctly. He got a sourdough starter from Italy like four or five years ago and he has kept it alive. And we were just with them at, at their ranch out in um, Spicewood Springs a couple weeks ago and he taught me how to make 
sourdough bread. So I'm, I'm learning and I'm starting to now make our bread and I'm using that for the kids' lunches instead of, you know, the, the store-bought stuff, which I, I've never um, liked to do. So, uh, so it's, you know, it's, it's fun. I'm getting into some new, new things with cooking. It's a fun process, right, to learn all that. And it's, yeah. That's a lost art. Like nobody makes bread nowadays, <laughs> but that doesn't happen. I know, right? And it's it's beautiful. It's a it's a very um, it's a very therapeutic process, I have to say. And the, and there's a lot that goes into it. And it takes you know, I started it yesterday. Let's see, I started it yesterday morning, and I didn't actually cook it until when in the oven this morning when I got up at five thirty. I stuck it in the oven, and it was wow. ready by breakfast. I mean, it's pretty romantic I kind of love it <laughs> now do you bake on a regular basis or is that a because I know for me like I love to cook but baking I just I it, it, that's a good way to test my patience <laughs> yeah no I don't bake that often um it's usually if the kid well I will say I do I make a lot of pancakes for my kids I don't know if you count that as baking um I don't do a lot of like cookies and cakes and that sort of thing I do but I do love to cook you know I cook dinner pretty much every night and um, do a lot of veggies and fish and, um, you know, I'm cooking a whole chicken tonight. Uh, so that's awesome. Wait, so, so your kids don't eat, uh, like a lot of desserts then they don't, they don't get a chance to do that. They eat sugar. They definitely (laughs) eat sugar. Yeah, they do. I just don't, I just don't do a lot of the baking myself. Like my, my mother-in-law was just here and she just made a huge box full of cookies. So they, you know, so no, they, they certainly get it. I mean, we try to limit it, you know? Um, but, but they, you know, they're kids, they, they get it. They still got Halloween candy they're working through right now. His, oh, his yeah. favorite, his son's favorite thing, the older one is, is, uh, seaweed. He loves yeah. seaweed. Yeah. Like, like no joke. Like, yeah, we, he, uh, we went to HEB the other day and got a bunch of seaweed for him and cause he was eating all Baldo's seaweed. But he eats the whole thing, you know, like stuff in his mouth, like, and you hear the crunch, it gets all over the place. But he gets so ecstatic. He's like, seaweed, yeah. And I'm just like, are you, I've never seen a three-year-old like get so hyped up for something like that. It's incredible. I mean, and it's weird because like you talked about the Halloween, we didn't really get to trick or treat this year because it was raining. Like, I don't know when you moved to Dallas or not, but yeah, it was raining, I'm sure up there too. And uh, we didn't get to go out. And I was really worried about the idea of, of him eating sugar because- he just doesn't eat it. Like he just doesn't want it. He doesn't like fried food and all that. He just doesn't, he never gets introduced to it. And so I was worried about how he's going to respond, but um, he tried to like, I think a M&M or a Skittle or something. And he just spit it right out. He's like, this is gross. That's what he said. He's like that. And like that, I was like, okay, cool. Like, I don't have to worry about that yet. You know, the next talk will probably be about McDonald's and fast food, you know? Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. They, that reminds me, my son's, my oldest son, his first birthday party, uh, we made some cupcakes for him and he, it was the first cupcake he'd ever had. And he looked at it and he held it in his hand. We were outside at a park and he just looked at it and just went, smashed it down on the ground. Didn't even try it. You know? Yeah. That's cool. You're probably a little proud, right? Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. But I know you say you cook pancakes. I eat a lot of pancakes. That's, that's probably my one thing is I, I do the gluten-free pancakes, of course, but he loves those. And I'm fine with it because, you know, it's, it's healthier. It's um, something I think that I pride myself in making. I don't obviously do the whole from scratch or whatnot, right, mm-hmm. like, like I should. But at least I, I know most of the source of it, right? I think that's one thing you look at as a parent, you know, and most people who aren't parents should also be looking at the food that they're putting into their bodies too, right? They shouldn't be just concerned about what their kids are eating, but you have to set an example, right? So if you start making sourdough bread and your kids see it, they're going to get that to be like, Hey, why don't I help mom out? Uh, you know, whether they're forced to or not. And next thing you know, they have this skill set where they're like, I'm able to break uh, bake bread. I can't do that. I don't know how to. Do- yeah. Yeah, I and I didn't either until a couple of weeks ago. It's a, it's a beautiful thing. And one of my kiddos was home yesterday. He had a little bit of a fever, so he stayed home with me. And I was in the kitchen making the bread. And he said, "Mom, can I make one?" And so I he he made his own. It's like this little mini loaf, and it came out of the oven this morning. And um, and then my other son said, "Why didn't I get to do that when I stayed home sick?" See? There you go. Uh, yeah. So I got to ask, how many ingredients are in sourdough bread? <clears throat> it's literally water, flour the starter, which is water and flour and, um, and then salt, a little bit of salt. That's it. That's cool. That's it. It's very simple. Very, very simple. Yeah. But yeah, when you go get 
got like thirty ingredients in it. Paragraph. I mean, come on. Like, I know, I know, and that's what I would do when I would go to the grocery store. I'd I'd look at the bread and just basically pick the one that was both organic and had the least amount of ingredients in it. You know, and now it's oh my god. Hopefully, I, I'll keep this up. And I went I went to a local co-op over here recently, and I saw paleo bread. And it was like $12 for about eight slices. Yeah. And it had like 30 ingredients in it. And it was needed to be refrigerated, like almost frozen for a while. And I was like, I'm not paying $12 for bread. And second, it has half the crap in there that I don't even know how to pronounce. Yeah. And I was like, that doesn't mean it's healthy, right? Just because it's paleo or it's keto or whatever, it doesn't mean it's healthier. I mean, if you make it from scratch, with three ingredients like you doing, you're doing, I'm pretty sure that's a lot healthier than whatever that $12, you know, loaf of bread was. That's just my opinion on it. When, whenever you uh, choose what you're eating or what you're feeding uh, your kids, uh, do you take into account any Ayurvedic uh, practice or knowledge that you have? You know, I do um, for myself personally, I do. Um, I start every morning with, um, I put, I add ghee to either the, the coffee or the, uh, decaf. I can't, I can't drink caffeine. It, it <laughs> makes me really anxious. So I either do decaf co coffee or a tea. Um, and I always add ghee to that and, and blend it in a couple other, um, collagen powder. And, um, I usually do a little bit of MCT oil and I've started putting some, uh, mushroom, mushroom mix in that as well. So, but yes, yeah, so I do, um, I always do ghee in the morning <clears throat> and then, um, for me, I am primarily vata um, dominant. And so warming foods are always better for me. So especially in the winter time, and we get a lot of wind in Dallas. There's a lot of wind here that I'm not used to from Austin. So, um, so I do, you know, I'm always drinking something warm um, and, you know, cooked vegetables. I don't do, I don't do many raw veggies and salads for me personally. Um, and with the kids, I'm, you know, I'm conscious of it, but not, not so much incorporating it into their diet specifically yet. Um, we just really try to do whole foods, mostly vegetables, fruits. Um, yeah. you know. So for, for the listeners, can you explain a little bit of uh, the, the doshas? Yeah. So the doshas, so I am not an Ayurvedic practitioner um, or expert, but um, the doshas are basically, we have um, the teachings of Ayurveda say that we have um, kind of three, uh, let's say they call them constitutes um, of, of the way that our bodies are made up. And there's vata, there's kapha and there's pitta. And that um, we all have some of each, but that we each have primarily one of them is, is more dominant. Um, and so the way that we um, lifestyle in general, not just what we eat, but the, the time that we wake, the type of practices that we do, um, the ways that we move our body, that all these things can help to balance out um, our doshas. Yeah. I, I mean, I remember Pitta is, is what I am. And, and I remember learning about it and it's like, you should not be doing as many handstands. I'm like, that's all I like to do. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but it's just because of the reversal and the balance of the energies, right? Is that, is that a good way to sum yeah, it up? Yeah. I mean, and I think, I think that it's, you know, it can go um, certainly from an Ayurvedic perspective, but really just in the way that, I mean, I think we can take this approach really with with the way that we eat and the way that we move our body just as a as a general way of looking at our choices in that if we're paying attention to how we're feeling energetically on any given day and any any given moment that can really inform um what choices we make and like if i you know if i am someone who consistently goes to uh let's just say a, a very physical um you know, hot power yoga class, but I wake up one day and I'm feeling, um, you know, it's the summertime and I'm already feeling um, kind of worked up and over energized, then that may not be the best choice for me. And, you know, we can look at that from an Ayurvedic perspective and also just a, a general understanding of um, how we're feeling energetically and mentally and physically. Um, so I think, you know, that can, that can feed into both the choices that we're making in, in our physical, um, 
physical movement and um, meditation and, and what we put in our bodies as well. Yeah. So the, the, like I he, keep hearing about PETA, is it PETA? PETA. So how do I find out what I am? Like, I don't understand all that. So you can go to an Ayurvedic practitioner and they'll work with you. Um, there are, there are some uh, tests online that you can do to find out what your dosha is. If you, if you want to go that route, but if um, you know, if you can find someone in Austin, I know that there are some good ones in Austin that you could go see and, and um, they'll help you. But, it, but it's like its own form of medicine, right? Like it is like there's herbs and spices and, and things like that. Right. Yes. Yes. And I think that the Western culture is catching on to it. Like you mentioned the mushrooms, right? Like cordyceps. Is that mm -hmm. something that was been practicing in Ayurvedic for a while? I don't know the relationship uh, between mushrooms and Ayurveda. I don't know. If, that's not something that I have heard a lot about. But again, I am, I am not an Ayurvedic practitioner, so I'm not, I'm not an expert there. But um, it's mushrooms specifically is not something I've heard too much about in Ayurveda. But, uh, but it's possible. Well, see, that's the blend. So since I've been trained in traditional medicine and alternative so far, uh, it's there's a lot of herbs and spices that I have to look at and, and understand. And now traditional medicine is trying to do the same thing. Like, for example, if you were to recommend ginseng to someone, you have to know a blood thinner that could make their blood thin even more, you know, if they're on, you know, um, Plavix, for example. And, and so it's interesting because it wasn't thought about 20 years ago that you'd walk into a family traditional practice and you're like, okay, so what herbs are you taking right now? You know, and, and you, you have to, even the hospitals now, downtown Brackenridge and all that probably are saying, well, so what kind of adaptogens are you taking here? And they have to list it with your medications. I think it's a cool uh, way to look about, you know, how we're evolving, right? Like I'm having to talk about Ayurvedic medicine and I, I've, I was not taught this in medicine at all, you know, but yet it's, it's real. And it's been around way before, uh, you know, we were taught about beta blockers and statins and all that stuff too. So I think it has its right place in health and wellness. And I, I think I really, I really want to learn more about it. Well, it's crazy though. Also because people will come in and talk about it and expect us to know about it. Oh yeah. Like, and it's just like, what are like, and they just spit it out. And I'm just like, ah, I need to get, let me get back to you here for in a second, you know? Right. So, yeah. Yeah. I think, um, there's there's an opportunity I think right now with um, with the focus on health and wellness and all the different aspects to of um, you know that can be brought together and really it's not just one way and I think that the more that we can have an understanding of of these different approaches the more we can um, you know marry them and and I like we I've been using uh, started working with essential oils about uh, I guess it's been about four years now. Um, and we, I mean, I, I have to knock on wood every time I say this, but um, I, my kids haven't been on antibiotics in, I couldn't tell you the last time they had to take antibiotics for an illness or um, even really go to the doctor for illness. We, we have, we use essential oils now for everything from, um, you know, uh, immune support to um, mood and emotional support to uh, when someone does get sick, if they've got a cold, we do respiratory support. So we really, I, it is, I mean, we technically, um, FDA <laughs> says oh. we can't call it medicine, but, uh, but <laughs> it's, it's my medicine cabinet, right? It yeah. is, it's what's in our, it's what's in our medicine cabinet so um it's it's changed our life in in that way for sure i mean the fda has a lot to say about a lot of things that we should or shouldn't be saying <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> but uh we have uh uh we're, we're huge fans of frankincense oil yeah okay. I, was, I was gonna ask you what's your favorite essential oil oh man i it's so hard to choose so um, I, I use doTERRA oils and doTERRA has, they have single oils and they also have blends. Um, and the blend, actually I've got it right here. The blend that I use every day without fail is called Balance. It's the grounding blend. Um, and it's, I use this, I use it on my kids, I use it on myself. Um, on Guard is one of their you know, immune boosting blends that um, I diffuse every night. I mean, 
cedarwood. I just, the, the list goes on. I, it's hard to pick a favorite, but, um, but I tend towards, I tend towards the more sort of woodsy, um, earthy grounding, grounding oils. Personally. Do you put, so you put them on your kids? Like you put, like you'll rub oil on them. Do you put on the bottom of their feet? Yep. I do it on the bottoms of their feet. I do it on their spine. Um, I'll do it on their chest. It kind of depends on what they have going on. One of my kiddos was having some, uh, just growing pains. I, I think that's what it was. He was, he just for like two days, he was like, my knees are really hurting and, um, kind of aching. And so I had, they have a blend called deep blue and I use that. Um, and I always dilute it if I'm putting it on their skin. So with, you know, a carrier oil, like coconut oil, um, and just rubbed it on his legs and around his knees. And within maybe 10 or 15 minutes, he was like, feeling pretty good, you know? So, um, yeah, we use, we use lavender on the soles of their feet every night to help them kind of shift into sleepy mode and relax. And, um, so we, we use them, we use them every day. So do you need to dilute it or do you just apply it directly on there? Uh, always when you're putting it on the skin, I recommend diluting it, especially with kids, especially with kids. Yeah. Um, fractionated coconut oil is, uh, my understanding is that it, it, not only helps to, you know, it makes it easier to apply to the skin because you can, when you mix it with the oil, it goes over a larger area, but it also helps to um, carry the essential oil through the skin and into the bloodstream. So it's a, that's the kind of the preferred oil. Although you can use, you can use other carrier oils too. Let me ask you, as a parent, especially with what you've been dealing with, do you ever dabble in CBD oil? You know, um, I have not personally, um, there, the, my, my dad used it a lot. He had, um, neuropathy in his feet really badly from some, he had chemo, went through chemotherapy a few years ago. Um, and he used it all the time, um, for on his feet. And I actually asked him to try Copaiba, which is one of the oils from, um, doTERRA and it has it works in a similar way that CBD oil does um, and he switched over to using that instead of CBD um, so I don't I haven't dabbled in the CBD yet um, I don't know if, I don't know that I will uh, but I know it seems to help a lot of people it seems to help support a lot of people for in for different in different ways for sure yeah. You guys use it? Um, yeah, I mean, we we have lotions and tinctures. I've seen it tremendously uh, help people with pain and chronic inflammation. Mm -hmm. And from what I've understood it to be, it's it's been very safe for almost anyone to try because it's you know we have the receptors in our body, right? So I don't think it's that harmful. But it's just interesting because you talked about your kids and the immune boosting and all that. I mean, if we have access to the CBD, I'm just kind of like, well, can I put this on a, a child's skin? Can I, can I give this to my wife who's still nursing? You know? And so it's funny because there's not a lot of research out there that I've seen other than the people who make the products or tell us like, well, it's safe. And I'm thinking it has to be, I just couldn't imagine that it'd be toxic to the body in any way. So I'm just curious to see if you had, you know, done anything with it or heard anything with it. Yeah, no, I, I can't, like I said, I can't speak specifically to CBD, but in terms of essential oils um, with kids, there are, you know, there are certain oils that are recommended that you don't use until they're a certain age. Um, but I also think of, you know, until I started using oils with my kids, I was giving them, you know, Tylenol or, you know, children's Tylenol or children's Advil or children's Benadryl or whatever, you know, they, they may need for their, their illnesses. And, and if, if I needed to do that, I still would. And, you know, this, it's no, no judgment on anyone who's using that. But what I have found is that I certainly feel a lot better putting lavender oil on my kid's forehead when he's got a low grade fever versus just pumping in with Tylenol. Um, and, you know, knowing that it, this specific brand, it's very high quality and, you know, certified therapeutic grade oils. And so, um, 
So I think, you know, as we know, you know, as a parent, you have to make a decision with what you feel most comfortable with. But for me, um, it's, I, I really, I look to these, to these oils um, and, and really respect what they can do for, for both kids and, and for myself and my husband too. Yeah. Do you drink them? Do you make I, teas with them? I'm really conservative with taking them internally. I do use one drop of lemon in my morning. Um, so in the morning I do, um, I do oil pulling. So I do coconut oil with a drop of clove oil and swish that in the mouth for 10 minutes. Um, and then I do, um, once I brush my teeth, then I do uh, one drop of lemon oil with apple cider vinegar and some warm water. Um, and other than that, some of the, um, the vitamins that I take from doTERRA have oils in them, but that's about the extent of what I take internally. Sometimes there's a, there's a blend called Digest Zen that does exactly that. It helps with your, your digestion, um, helps support digestion. And that I have taken one drop under the tongue um, and it works pretty instantly. Um, but other than that, I'm, like I said, I'm pretty conservative with taking them internally. I was in, a, I think it was, I was working for Cutco at the time, doing long-standing 11-day uh, uh, booths at like Costco's, and I had a pretty bad sinus infection. I had someone give me just water with a lot, or and I say a lot because you keep talking about a drop or two. There's like five drops of oregano oil. Man, that thing burns so much, but I was good. <laughs> but I was good after that. Like it sucked for like, 20 minutes because it was just like this burning sensation um but i was like okay i mean it worked i guess i was willing to try anything because it was like my second day there and i was already like and i still had like nine more days to go and i was like i'm not gonna go do medicine because i just uh, i don't agree with it yeah <laughs> not in not for like sinuses yeah oh yeah oh, i i've had a frankincense bottle here like since we started this clinic and there's a oh uh, like a wasp nest at the stairs when you walk up and I can't, I don't know what was going on for about a week or two, but everyone was getting stung and they were walking up here and they're like, man, what's going on? They're like, man, I got stung right here. I don't know what was going on. But I think it was a wasp, big old like white dot on there. I'm like, well, come here. Let me put some Franken. The herb here. And I mean, they only like, you know, an hour or two later, like it's gone. Like my, the bump's gone. It doesn't hurt at all. And I'm just like, that's cool. Like, that's so cool. I didn't have to give them a steroid. I didn't have to give them some kind of topical, you know, cream or something that was going to be maybe potentially harmful to the liver. Thank you. And it was more of the idea. I was like, dude, this was easy. And it was like, I look like, like I was a, a, a miraculous healer, you know, because all I did was just say, here, put some frankincense. I'm like, the frankincense did it. I didn't do anything. And I, the frankincense did it, you know? Thank baby Jesus for that. I don't know. Yeah, you know, it's um that my my first experience with essential oils um in a healing capacity was kind of a similar thing. I I woke up one morning and um it looked like somebody had punched me in the eyes. I don't know what happened. I had some sort of allergic reaction. And um I, you know. I called the dermatologist and she said, oh, try this over the counter, some kind of steroid cream. And I'm sitting there like putting this stuff around my eyes thinking this is not, this does not feel right. And, um, and I called a friend of mine who I knew used do doTERRA oils and she said, come over, I'm going to make you a little concoction. And she made me a little vial that had frankincense and lavender and um, melaleuca tea tree and then some coconut oil. And I used it, I just put a little, you know, dabbed around my eyes, both eyes, um, every, I think I did it about every two hours. And by the end of that day, it was almost gone. Um, and by the next day it was, you know, I was pretty much back to normal. And so that for me was like, it, it was a, a big wake up call that it's not just, these aren't just, you know, you use lavender oil cause it smells nice in your yoga class, but they actually have, they're very yeah. powerful and potent you know, healing. No, oh, yeah. it's, it's not quackery, right? Like how they say to us on some stuff. <laughs> no, I mean, well, you, you grew up in Austin, right? So all the stuff yeah. you're saying back in the day was called hippie stuff, right? Like a bunch <laughs> of hippie crap that you basically had done. And, you know, like, well, we didn't go to the doctor. My parents took me to the chiropractor. It took me to the acupuncturist and all that. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, that's, that's the norm. If you were born outside of the United States, that's probably more normal than most people think. 
right? It's just like, you know, praying to a different God, you know, it's just, it's different. I mean, it doesn't mean it's wrong. It's just say that's how other people practice, you know, health and wellness, right? So for some people, instead of popping a Xanax because they're freaking out all the time, they're like, I'm going to go take a yoga class, maybe a, a yin class or something, right? And then I'm going to go meditate for a little while with some nice tea that's warming and soothing to my soul. And maybe I'll get a massage or cupping nowadays. That's a real big thing, right? Uh, get adjusted. And then uh, I take my immune boosters, you know? Right? I mean, that's also a great day. You're like, that's a great day right there. That sounds awesome. That was a full day right there. It is. And, you know, when I am, was listening to you just now, I, what I just kept thinking is these are, it's amazing because we, people now are starting to, um, to sort of collect these tools that they have now that they can, as I was saying before, it's, you know, it's, it's this practice of, of that I think yoga teaches us of listening into really what is it that I'm feeling? What am I experiencing? Whether it's physical, mental, emotional, energetic, spiritual. And, and then once I've identified what that is, then how can I go and use and sort through the tools that I have, whether it's, you know, a certain type of food or, uh, you know, a warm tea or, uh, a specific meditation or a specific practice and how can I go and use those to, um, to work through what it is I'm experiencing and support where I am and what I'm feeling. And, um, and I just, I think it's, it's just a really empowering, um, place to be. And yeah, but it's, it's holistic, right? That's the true definition of holistic health, right? Like it's not just doing one thing, right? Medicine teaches you treat the symptom. Here's one pill for one symptom, right? You have depression, take this pill and your depression goes away. So you can go back to work. So you can go back to work and continue work 60 hours, <laughs> be underappreciated and, and, you know, go be stuck in the rat race and traffic, like, you know, how bad it is in Austin here and eat the same crap all the time, right? Like we had a lady who comes in here for, you know, weight loss and she's a wonderful person. She's great, but she missed the boat at the beginning. She was like, I'm going to do all this stuff to lose weight for this event I'm having. And then as soon as it's done, I'm going to go back to eating what I was eating beforehand. <laughs> and I was like, no, don't do that. Like, please don't like all the stuff we've talked about. Don't undo all of it. Right. Because this well, is a she marathon. was saying, she was like, I feel so great. Yeah. I can't wait. To, I can't wait to, to go back, back to eat all pizza. that food. And I was just like, Oh my God. You know, we just got through Thanksgiving. And everyone that came in here told us about how much they ate. And I'm included. Like, I ate a lot. I was miserable. I walked around. Baldur saw me. I was like, my stomach is popping out and not used to this at all. I felt miserable. And, you know, I, a couple weeks before that, I went to Dallas, saw family. And I mentioned the whole restaurants. We didn't eat anywhere healthy at all. I didn't, like, say, can we go gluten-free here or paleo? No, it was none of that. It was, like, greasy greasy spoon stuff here and homemade cinnamon rolls and tamales and all. I mean, it was awesome, but I was tired after <laughs> I ate all that stuff. Like I kept falling asleep and I was like, I don't know how people do this all the time. Right. But it does take a little bit of work at first, right. To go get a good chiropractor, acupuncturist, to learn a little bit about essential oils. Right. It's taking you like your whole life to get to this point. Right. Oh yeah. I mean, I, yes, it's, it has all, um, yeah, it's all been a, a a work in progress of of you know. I it just reminds me of my, my teacher, one of my teachers, Rod Stryker, always talks about the importance of of always being a student and staying a student and staying in that place of curiosity and learning and growth. And so, I I just you know I think that there's there's so much, there's so much available to us now and, um, and so many different pathways that we can go down in this, um, in this type of work. And, and it's a beautiful thing. Um, you know, it can be overwhelming at times, but I think it's, uh, that's one of the, my biggest joys in this type of work is just being able to build on and build on and learn more and, and bring in more, um, more tools and understanding as they come. So yeah, for sure. It's been a, it's been a journey in that way. Yeah. But it, if people understand that it's an ongoing process, they don't feel compelled to say, I need to be able to do this or look a certain way or feel a certain way in like 30 days. You know, it's, it's, it's a marathon. Yeah. And it's not like a destination. It's like a continuous thing. Yeah. Because once you get that way, it's amazing. You, you don't know how good it feels to feel good until you start feeling good. And then you want it more. You say, I want, 
I want this feeling that I get from Savasana, that I get from legs on the wall. I tell you, I tell everyone all the time, when I started doing hip openers in yoga, I bawled like a baby. <laughs> like I was crying. I looked at ball. I was like, why am I crying? Like, why am I doing this during yoga? You bring me to yoga. And I just cry like a little boy. Like, what the hell? He goes, you needed it. I was like, what? How dare you say that to me? I was like, I was like, I guess I did though. Right. Like I, I thanked the teacher right afterwards. I was like, thank you. I did need that. Yes. <laughs> I don't get that from lifting weights. I tell you <laughs> I'm not going to go to the gym and just get done with it. Just ball my eyes off. But I am the guy in the gym now who does yoga 20 minutes to work out before, you know, I actually get into anything because I notice it makes my body feel better. My back feels better. Mm -hmm. you know, my flexibility is incredible. And then when I get done, I do stretch, but I try to do legs on the wall, savasana if I have enough time, and then um, uh, lotus. I'm working on my lotus pose every day. It's getting better, right? Yeah, it's getting better. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to, uh, because I think we got to wrap up here a second, but I want to bring it back to, I want to ask you for some advice and maybe it can tie in the listeners and they can learn something as well too. So meditation with you has always been great. Like I've always liked, loved your, your uh, guided meditations, even back in, in training. Um, but, um, and I don't even know how to ask this because it's, I don't even know what I'm looking for. And, and the answer might be like, don't look for anything, but still. Uh, <laughs> um, so when I sit down to meditate, right? And so I've had situations where it was like, okay, I've gotten very deep into meditations. I've also sat there where it's just like my mind's unstable and I'm just like, not like, this is not going to happen. And that's okay as well too, because it's like, okay, well, at least I'm still sitting down and maybe tomorrow it'll happen. Um, lately, I've been sitting down for meditation and the one thing I do do is that I make sure that I do sit down for at least 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. And I'm not getting lost. I'm not getting lost in my thoughts either. I'm not like uh, straying from one thought to the other. I'm, you know, like it's just like blank slate. And it's almost like frustrating because I'm not getting, because it's like I should be getting deeper. And I don't even know what I'm looking for because, um, because I don't know what I'm looking for. And so I guess my question to you is what kind of advice do you have for that i don't know if that's a sensation that you've been talked to about before or it's like it's neither here nor there because it's i'm definitely not deep and i'm also not like distracted either it's just like an in-between um and then also if you can speak about like just giving time to yourself to do that because i think that that's one thing that i mentioned before is like i just don't know about like taking the time mm -hmm. yeah yeah that makes sense yeah makes sense that makes sense so um, okay, to answer or to address the first the first thing you spoke about, which is your own experience, and it sounds like you maybe you're you feel like you're kind of reaching a a place in your meditation where you feel like you want to go deeper. Is that right? Yeah, and I certainly have gotten deeper, and it's yeah. and it's almost like I've accepted at times where it's just like okay, I'm just not shutting down my my brain today, but at least I was sat here in in quiet. And, and, and that's good enough and I'm okay with that. I'm at the point where like, I'm not being distracted in my mind, mm -hmm. um, but I'm also not getting deeper and I'm just like, and, and so like yesterday I was like, I'm gonna stay here. So I ended up staying for like 45 minutes cause I was like, I'm just, I wanna go deeper, but I'm also not distracted. I'm just like, it's just like blank. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So what, what, I, um, what I have been, taught and this has been um when the first time i heard this from again from rod striker who's uh, my primary teacher now he you know someone in the class asked a question and said gosh i just had this experience and i was seeing all these colorful lights and was kind of going into this this experience that they had just had in their meditation and and he listened and then he said you know that's just what your experience was it's not positive. It's not negative. It's just what it was. And this person was really looking for like, what's the meaning behind that? And, and his point was that the, the most important, the most, most important piece of a meditation practice is consistency and non-attachment, right? So it's twofold consistency and non-attachment. And so, um, so, and, and then he goes on to say that it, how do we know if our meditation practice is actually serving us if it's actually you know working 
is not by how does any given sit go, right? Like today, my mind was all over the place. Yesterday, I felt like I really got really deep. It's, it doesn't really matter what he says is that it's really more about when we step back and we look at how a consistent meditation practice is impacting our life as a whole, that's when we know. And so if that is, if, if meditation for you, Baldo, is, is um, impacting your life in a positive way and you feel that, then I would say you're, you're on the right track and you're in a good place with it. Um, that said, if you're feeling stuck, then you might try another technique. Um, so, you know, there's the, there's so many different options and techniques that, that one can do, um, for meditation, but, uh, you know, some that just come to the top of my mind are, you know, focusing on the breath is it's a, it's accessible for all of us because it's, you can take it anywhere. You can do it anywhere. Um, you know, there's a work with mantra or, um, you know, a specific word or phrase that it becomes your point of focus. Um, there's, uh, you know, there's the guided meditations that you can listen to. So th there's so many different ways. And I think if, if what you're doing, if you're feeling blocked in what you're doing, then I would say, try, try something else for a couple of weeks and, and see, see where that, where that takes you. Um, and there's the piece of, can you also explore kind of letting go of the attachment to what to where you're going and and rather sit in the experience of what unfolds for you that's awesome no i mean that makes sense because that so my my thing is like i have different ways that i do that one of them is through breath another one is through like stare at a candle another one is to imagine myself smaller like in, in the size of a galaxy like and so like i start different one of those practices trying to get into that like where you just wake up you're like whoa that was awesome kind of deal um and it's like i just i go from like starting to count my breath or focus on my breath or starting to visualize like being smaller and it just like stops and it's just like and then i'm just like in this blank slate and i'm just like i want to go deeper but that makes sense though because it's just like i i think i'm too attached to that that's that's what it is that i'm just attached to that maybe maybe and you know and when you're saying you're arriving in the, i mean you know when we look at classical at classical yoga and the eight limbs of yoga meditation is not just um it's not just something that we do but it's it's considered to be a, a state in which we arrive right so it's not that when we say okay i'm going to sit down and meditate what we're really doing is we're sitting down and we're concentrating, right? And we're training our mind to focus on one point, one point, one point, until then we arrive in a state of meditation. And so, um, you know, it, it may be that you're, that when you say you're arriving at this blank slate, that, that you're actually kind of arriving in a, in a deep state. And that that's, you know, the fact that you're aware and it sounds like maybe you're having a conversation around like in the moment of i want to go deeper i want to go deeper so that's you know that's um right. to say that that you're not you know that there is more uh a deeper experience that could be had where you're not separating yourself from your focus but you're at you're just fully in the moment um but yeah, so I, I would I would I would say try try a different technique and see and see where it takes you. Cool. I'll text you about it. Yeah. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> Did I answer, there was another question. Did I answer the second piece? Well, I mean, I think you you answered that because that's what it is. It's about consistency, right? Whether just like you doing that as a daily practice because that, because that's what it is a lot of people i mean like i said including yourself will say like i just don't even know when to do this and it's like even if you give yourself five minutes or, or three minutes you know and so i know that at one point for me it was like i'm going to do at least a minute and so now it's worked up to like i want to do at least 10 minutes um but uh but i mean anyone can fit a minute right like just to like sit down and, and practice that for sure yeah yeah and like i said before you know there's the, it's really easy to um to build our own, to sort of stand in our own way when we're trying to, to start practices like this. Um, and, you know, I, I went through a period when we moved houses and I, in, 
in the house I was in before we had this, I had actually like a yoga room and it was this beautiful space and I could go in there and close the door and the kids couldn't get in and I could have a really quiet practice. And then we moved and I didn't have a space like that. And I had a couple of weeks where I was like, well, where am I supposed to meditate? You know? And, and, and I realized very quickly that that was just a, you know, that was an excuse essentially that, that I, um, you know, Point being, if you don't have a place that feels like the perfect place to meditate, or you can't do your meditation for first thing in the morning, it's okay. Find find the time of day that that works for you, and that you will be the most consistent with it. And like you said, start with five minutes. Great, great, you know, and and build from there. Um, yeah. Perfect. That's cool. Yeah. All right. You inspired me to go try meditation every day now. <laughs> I, like I said, I, I, I'm that type of person that says I don't have five minutes right now to sit by myself and do it. Uh, my, my deal is just trying to tune out the 10,000 voices and thoughts going through my head and try to focus on one. Um, and so I read. I read more now because that keeps me focused. And, and I think the working out and yoga – I miss yoga because it would keep me focused on one thing. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that the world comes undone if I am not able to focus and multitask. And someone told me a long time ago that people really don't multitask. You, you basically just stop what you're doing with one other thing and get distracted and it compromises the production for five, six different things rather than, you know, focusing on just one task at hand. So my, I'll tell you this right now, I'm going to have, a big challenge on my hand next week. I'm going to start a water fast uh, with Baldo and Pam. It's going to be a week long. And so you talk about focus. My focus is going to tune out that hunger that tells me that I'm, that I want to eat and I'm going to try my hardest to try to meditate, <laughs> <laughs> meditate away the, the hunger <laughs> and try to get rid of that. So we'll see how that goes, but you've inspired me to see if maybe if, if, if one way I can get through is, is, is to, to focus on the thought. And it's not that I'm hungry. The thought is I'm doing it for a bigger purpose and the bigger purpose is for my health. And I'm really trying to reset the body and trying to get a new set going into 2019. Awesome. I love that. You know, and I, and just to, to add to that, I think, um, I, we've all experienced that feeling of, I don't have time, right. I don't have time to sit down and take five minutes for myself. And, um, and, uh, one of the experiments that I, I like to give to people is to, is to, you know, give yourself two weeks to commit to meditating every day, five minutes. If that's, you know, if that's what you can handle or what you want to take on more, if, if you can, that's great. Um, and, and just actually see what, see how that impacts your life. Because I think that even just that short amount of time, <clears throat> if you're doing it consistently, you'll see that it's actually the opposite that's happening. That it's not that things are falling apart when you're taking that five minutes, but actually that all of the aspects of your life are being enhanced with that, that clarity that you're bringing into your day and that presence. And so, um, see, see. Yeah. How yeah. Okay. See what I can do. Well, thank you for your inspiration. Um, you are going to bring joy and light to a lot of people in Dallas. Um, and I know that it's another transition, but it seems like you adapt very well. And it seems like you, it, on the surface, most people, you could tell when they don't have it together, you have it together. <laughs> so I think, I, I think most people will flock to that. That's why Baldo looks up to you as a mentor, because although you do have it together, it's still an ongoing process. Like you said, we're still working on each other uh, internally and externally. And it's a way to share the message to one another, to inspire others to work on themselves. And that makes the world a better place. And I thank you for sharing this gift with us and the listeners today and obviously taking the time because I know you're a busy person. Thank you so much. It's an honor to be with you guys, really, truly um, an honor to, to get to finally sit down and talk with you. And, um, and this is my first uh, video podcast interview. So nice. cool. We feel honored. Awesome. <laughs> well, we'll have to have you on again. We're, we're starting I to get, we, I mean, the first couple of times we tried it on the video is just like a mess and there's like videos were choppy and i think we're getting the hang of it so okay. thank you for that and okay. uh, but 
let, let uh, listeners know where can they find you? Uh, what, what else you got going on? Anything you want to promote? Go for yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. So everything that I'm doing is on uh, katewaitskin.com. So W-A-I-T-Z-K-I-N, katewaitskin.com. Um, all of my upcoming classes and workshops and things are coming up. I've got uh, two retreats this year. So one coming up at the end of January in Wimberley with Collective Retreats, which is a... Um, for lack of a better word, a, a kind of glamping experience. It's, it's going to be beautiful. <laughs> um, and then for the third year in a row, Amelia and I are taking a group to Costa Rica, Nassara, Costa Rica in May, which I'm so excited about as well. So um, yeah, and I've got I've got some online offerings that are coming out and some things. So so my website is the best the best place to to follow. follow Sign up for her newsletter too, because she sends love letters and they're amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I send a newsletter, love letter. Um, and I do have some um, guided meditations on an app called Yoga Wake Up. So you can check that out. Um, and I've got a meditation on my website as well. So lots of lots of goodies. Lots of goodies. That's awesome. Thank you so much, Kate. We really appreciate it. Thank you. I appreciate you guys. Thank you so much. Have a great day. You too.